All right, well, good morning again. If you slipped in a little late, uh, my name's Shane. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, just a quick update, if you hadn't heard, uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Don, uh, is at home recovering uh, from COVID. He did test positive after being at a conference he was speaking at a couple weekends ago. Uh, and so uh, he's there. Continue to pray for him, for his strength and recovery. I know it's killing him to not be here with us this morning, experiencing the new floor, preaching God's word, encouraging uh, God's people. But today he just needs some prayer and encouragement from us. So let's just keep uh, lifting him up. I found out Wednesday night uh, that he was kind of feeling worse, uh, and he's like, Shane, you better get ready to go on Sunday. So I had to figure out what I was going to preach pretty quick here in a few days, and I was looking back, uh, just praying, you know, what I've been reading a little bit, and, and praying about what maybe God would have me to share with you. I was looking back through our messages. I've been here 10 and a half years almost now, and, and I was looking, and I really didn't see a lot of messages from the book of Proverbs. And so I thought, you know, let's take a look uh, at Proverbs a little bit this morning. It's a book that uh, people are familiar with, yet we don't give it a lot of time and attention sometimes uh, in our teaching. And so that's where we're going to go uh, as we get into God's Word together this morning. So I encourage you to look there, uh, open up your Bibles or your gadgets to that uh, as we get uh, into that. But again, thanks to those who have made it possible to get everything back together. The chairs look immaculate in terms of their positioning. I think Jim and Jeff led a, a gang of uh, guys here getting all that set back up, uh, and I definitely appreciate it. It feels different. I'm just hearing it today, too, the, the, the walls and the room in here. So if I take, have a little double take here, just, just give me a little grace as I, I get used to a different look and a different feel uh, and the vibe in the room uh, this morning. As we get into Proverbs, you know, we tend to think of uh, the, the fact that there's a bunch of wise words or pithy sayings, right? Uh, and, and that's pretty common. Our, our culture is kind of infatuated with those types of things, little quotable quotes and wise pithy sayings. You see them all over Facebook and Instagram, and I don't, I don't even use Snapchat. Are they all over Snapchat and stuff like that too, teens? I, you'd have to tell me, but I know I see them uh, in the places I do get out there in social media. And I thought, you know, as we get going this morning, uh, we'll just see if you guys are awake, see if you can help me finish off uh, some modern common proverbial sayings. These aren't too hard. I know it's nine o'clock, but I think you can help me out here, okay? Let's, let's just kind of get into it a little bit here. Here's a few wise, pithy sayings. I'll get them started. Better late than never. See, you guys are awake. You're good. You're sharp. These are easy. Actions speak louder than words. words. You guys are great. Two for two. Way to go. An apple a day. All right, you guys are wise, smart people. All right, we're a little bit longer here. We'll see if you get this next one. Give a man a fish and he will eat for a day. Teach him to fish. All right, a few people got that one, right? Not quite as many. Teach him to fish. You get the wisdom there? All right, I'll give you a fish, you get a meal. If I teach you to fish, you can feed yourself for a lifetime. I've also heard that one finished. You know, give a man a fish for a day, he'll eat for a day. Teach him to fish, and he'll sit in his boat drinking his favorite beverage while he dreams up fish stories all day long. I, I don't know, but, you know, I'm sure that's not true of the men around here. We got real fish stories. And I, I think one of our guys caught a shark this last year on a fishing expedition. Crazy stuff. And there was pictures to prove it. It wasn't just a fish story. All right, one more. We'll see if you get this one. Don't sweat the petty things and... Ah, I did stump you on one. Don't sweat the petty things and don't pet the sweaty things. You guys haven't heard that one, huh? All right, so you know, maybe that's just my wife. That's why she won't snuggle with me, you know? PD talks about hyperhidrosis and there's times you just got to keep your distance, you know? Don't sweat the petty stuff, but don't pet 
the sweaty stuff. All right, a little bit of fun as we, we get into Proverbs. Those are not quotes from the book of Proverbs. Just to be clear, that was not teaching from God's word this morning. Just getting us into the mind frame of what we tend to think of when we think about uh, the book of Proverbs. A bunch of collection of wise sayings. And there are a lot of wise sayings uh, in this book, but it is so much more than that. And today, my hope is to help us all see a little bit of God's heart his calling out to us what the purpose of the book of Proverbs is and how it's meant to encourage us uh, in our faith. So that's where we're going to go as we get into it. Let's pray, and then we'll dig in a little bit together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your word, uh, and thank you that it is uh, created in so many different ways and forms. As we dig into Proverbs, there's, there's poetry and these wise proverbial sayings, and uh, it's different than some of the other places we read, uh, but Lord, it's still your word, and it it's to speak to us, to encourage us, to draw us near to you, and to help us become more like you. And we pray right now you just give us insight and wisdom into uh, how you've created this book uh, as a tool and an encouragement for us. And we pray you just make us more like your son in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, in your notes, you'll see a few things. We're going to uh, primarily focus on chapter one, but I do want to kind of give you a picture uh, of the whole book of Proverbs. Uh, we certainly don't have time to go through 31 chapters today, but there's a, a simple outline uh, that I put in there. We're going to focus on 1 through 7 uh, a little bit, and that's really kind of a preamble talking about specifically the purpose of the book of Proverbs. Uh, and we'll look a little bit uh, at uh, chapters 8 or chapters 1 through 9, uh, which ultimately comes out as a father pleading to his child to embrace wisdom. And, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. The bulk of what we tend to think of when it comes to the book of Proverbs, all these wise, pithy sayings, is found in chapters 10 through 29. Oftentimes one verse, kind of two phrases, uh, back to back, uh, lots of things, all kinds of different topics. Uh, most of those written uh, by Solomon, but also kind of a collection from other people. Uh, the book's kind of attributed to Solomon, but there's certainly uh, other people that have contributed to these sayings uh, along the way. Uh, and then again, the last couple chapters, uh, chapter 30 is the wise sayings of Agur, and again, we don't have time to get into that specifically, but the wisdom there is he understands he's not very wise, and, and we'll, we'll realize that's part of wisdom, is understanding we, we aren't as wise as we think we are. And then uh, chapter 31, uh, the wise sayings of King Lemuel, really uh, what his mother taught him is what we're told in chapter 31, uh, things that his mother told him about what it means to, to live wisely, and there's the portrait of, of kind of a wise wife um, in, the, in the end of that chapter there. So that's the basic outline breakdown of the flow. We're not going to go through all that. We're going to focus on the, the first couple sections today as we dig in, and we'll get right to it uh, by getting into uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Let's read that, and then we're going to look at just kind of seven insights that we get about the purpose of the book of Proverbs there. So I'm reading from the NIV, starting chapter 1 in Proverbs. The Proverbs of Solomon son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let, them dis uh, let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. 
So that's the first section, and really the preamble explaining the purpose of the book. And we're just going to walk through that. The verses will be up on the side screen, too, if you don't have a gadget. And I just want to highlight uh, seven kind of key things. Uh, some of them may seem fairly obvious, others maybe not so much. Uh, as we go through here, as we think about why the book of Proverbs exists and what we're supposed to get out of it. Number one, ding, 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 for attaining wisdom, right? All right, that should be pretty obvious. It is a, a book that's part of the wisdom literature uh, of Scripture, along with uh, what uh, the book of Job uh, and the book of Ecclesiastes, commonly referred to as wisdom literature in Scripture. And so it is a book to help us understand and gain more wisdom uh, in our life. And when we think about wisdom, we tend to think about things like intellect and knowledge. And even some of those verse, uh, words are used uh, in verse number two there, attaining wisdom, discipline, understanding, insight. We think of intellect and knowledge, those types of things. But wisdom is so much more than just what's in our heads. It really is what's in our hearts and what comes out in our lives. Uh, you guys uh, know, if, if you know me, I'm friends with the guys that do the Bible Project. And the, one of the key guys there, Tim Mackey, uh, is just a Hebrew scholar, amazing guy. I, I studied Greek. I didn't get into Hebrew. And so I have to lean on other people and other tools to help understand that. But he, he explains you know, the word that's used here for wisdom isn't just about knowledge and intellect. It's really about applied knowledge. And as we walk through this section, as we get to the big idea, I think you can understand that. It's really more about what we're doing in our lives with what we know. Uh, and we'll get there in a little bit. So gaining wisdom is, is so much more than about what we know in our heads. Uh, and that's the first thing that we see here, just some insights. Second thing we see in verse 3 is learning to live rightly. And that kind of follows on what I was just saying, right? It's not just about storing up stuff up here. It's what comes out in our lives a little bit. Uh, so it says, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life in verse 3. Doing what is right, what is just, uh, and what is fair. Uh, we want to have that drive to do what is right. Any of you guys familiar with the Enneagram? It's, it's a popular thing in our day and age. Not too many here, maybe some at home. It's one of those personality typing tools, right? Not meant to be a, a law or a rule, but uh, there's nine different types, generalizations of people and personalities. And I tend to be a type one, uh, which can be labeled a moral perfectionist. Sounds real exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> right? So, sorry about that. But I tend to be a moral perfectionist. Uh, but this whole idea of wanting to do things right uh, is kind of a key thing for me. Let me read a little summary of uh, an Enneagram Type 1, an overview. It says, Type 1s want to be accurate, thorough, fair, objective. More importantly, they want to be respectable, to do what is right, and to be appropriate. They see themselves as rational, orderly, and principled. They would like others to see them as reliable, responsible, and ethical. Their idealized self-image is that they are hardworking and do what is right. And so it sounds like, like a great thing, right? But you catch that one word. Their idealized self-image is that they are hardworking and they want to do what is right. That is part of what's in me, that drive to do what is right. But does that mean I always do what is right? No, it doesn't. Uh, and sometimes that comes out in other ways that aren't healthy. And if you go on reading, you talk about, it talks about how at times they can be judgmental and critical of others, telling them what they think is right and, and all kinds of other things that uh, come into that. We won't go down that path of psychoanalyzing Shane completely this morning, but uh, it is important, right, to want to do what is right. 
and just and fair. And ultimately, I think most of us want to do that. We want to do what's right. But we easily get kind of self-deceived and off track about what is right and what is wrong. And we tend to do what's right in our own eyes. And so Proverbs, when we think about wisdom and and, and developing prudent behavior and doing what's right, we want to make sure we're doing it uh, God's way. And and we'll get into that as we understand the book of of Proverbs a little bit more. The third thing, uh, insight from here, is for growing out of childish childish naivety, naive, simple. Go back to verse 4. For giving prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the young, right? And so that's where you see in verses, uh, chapters 1 through 9, again, is that father trying to tell his young children uh, how to live and to embrace wisdom. And so it, it kind of cries out in the midst of that. And the idea is the, this picture of someone who is easily deceived or dissuaded. We're simple. We're naive. We don't quite have the wisdom, the experience, the knowledge that we need to be able to make wise choices and choose what to do is right. We're easily sidetracked, deceived, and caught uh, off on the, wrong, on the wrong path, persuaded to do the wrong things. And we want to grow out of that uh, in terms of that childish naivety. But it's not just for the young or the childish. You know, we think as when we become adults, we put all that behind us, right? Well, it isn't always that way. The reality is we should always be learning and growing. And that's an expectation for us as followers of Christ is that we're always learning and growing. And so you see in the next verse, uh, it's for that sense of uh, lifelong listening and learning. Verse 5 says, Let the wise... Those who already think they're wise, they've already put those childish ways behind them, right? Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. So if we're truly wise, again, we understand we don't know it all, and we want to continue to learn. We want to listen to the insight and opinions and the wisdom from other people so that we can add to our wisdom and add to our learning. And if we're truly wise, we're going to have that type of a mindset Uh, in our life, even when we think we've moved beyond those childish and simple ways, lifelong listening and learning. It goes on from there, really kind of carrying on the same thought uh, in uh, verse 5, or verse 6, excuse me. It says, for understanding proverbs and parables, uh, for sayings and riddles, uh, the sayings and riddles of the wise. That, that word understanding really does come down to being discernment. When we think about discernment, what is that? It's, it's having that deeper insight, that better sense of judgment or perception in a situation or with a person. We want to make sure that we're having more insight and, and perception. And so uh, over time, wisdom is we get a deeper sense of that discernment and a better ability uh, to judge people in situations, not in a judge like I'm better than you, but judge what's the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do. Who's the right person to follow? Who's the wrong person to follow? Those types of things. We have deeper discernment as we grow in our wisdom. And then we get to verse 7, which is really foundational in the whole book and foundation in our whole lives. The fear of the Lord is the foundation for wise living. And we don't like to think about God being someone we should fear, right? We think of that in terms of maybe terror. Like, I'm, I'm terrorized by him. I'm so afraid of messing up. Or I'm afraid he's going to you know, squash me like a bug or whatever. The idea of fearing the Lord is not about living in terror of God, but it's understanding and having that healthy reverence and respect, awe. Understanding his place in the world and understanding our place in the world. 
He is creator. He's designed everything. He's created us. And when we understand that, uh, that we're to live under his rule and authority, uh, then we can live and understand he's the source of wisdom. He's created all these things, the laws of the Old Testament, the the teachings of Jesus, uh, the prophecies, the Proverbs, all of that are there to help us understand how to live a more full life as he's designed us to. Problem is we tend to think uh, that we know better. And that's what the last part of verse 7 says. Fools despise instruction. Let's read verse 7 there again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline or instruction there. So it it puts this up, and that really sets up the whole book, the idea of wise people and foolish people. That's contrasted all throughout the book, uh, wisdom and folly, uh, good and evil, righteousness and evil, life and death. These concepts are constantly contrasted throughout the book uh, of Proverbs, and we're urged to understand that God's created us. He's got a plan for us. And if we'll embrace that and the wisdom and the wise ways of living that he's designed for us, then we can experience the fullness of life as he's intended. But if we stubbornly and foolishly continue to go our own way and think that we know better, it's not going to go well, oftentimes in this world and certainly for eternity. And that's what we're going to see as we get into Uh, the book of Proverbs a little bit. So that's really the purpose behind it, and it leads us to what I have for our big idea today. And Wisdom is about what you do with what you know. Again, it's applied knowledge. We can know all kinds of things up here in our heads, but until it comes down into our hearts and we have that conviction to live it out in our lives, we're not truly wise people living in wisdom as God would have us to. And that's his desire uh, for us. Uh, as we'll see as we get into that. So that, that's kind of the, the purpose uh, as you look at the, the setting up for the book of Proverbs, and I hope uh, that'll encourage you as you think about studying it and uh, wanting to make sure you're, we're living wise lives uh, as we live for the Lord here in our day. In our day. Uh, but I want to highlight just some of the next couple of sections uh, because they do kind of give us a heart uh, behind the book as well as we get into the practicalities later. And so, uh, like I talked about, really, verses, uh, chapters 1 through 9 uh, are this depiction uh, of a father uh, pleading uh, to his child, his son. Uh, there's also references to mothers, you know, teaching their kids in there in the midst of it. But really, it's kind of like 10 life lessons from dad. Any teens or kids here, or those of you that are adults, remember, you know, the life lessons from mom and dad, uh, where they would go into lecture mode? Any parents here guilty of going into lecture mode occasionally? <laughs> Yep, been there, done that, guilty. And, and ultimately, you know, if you're a kid, if you're a teen, uh, hear my heart for your parents, speaking for them today. We go into lecture mode, not because we just love to uh, talk about how wise we are, but because we love you deeply. And we want you to learn from our mistakes and the mistakes of others and the wisdom of others. And we long for you to, to experience the best that God has for you. Uh, and avoid some of those pitfalls, and so we go into those modes, and we're pleading with you uh, to embrace our wisdom, and you're thinking as kids and teens, oh, my parents know nothing, right? That's a common thing in life, and ultimately, we often are in that position with God, thinking, ah, what does he know? I know what's best for me, and we find ourselves in that rebellious state in our relationship with God. So you can picture parents pleading with their kids or our Heavenly Father pleading with us to embrace wisdom. 
Uh, we're not going to go into reading through all that. I'll read the, the first couple of, uh, verses here, uh, verses 8 and 9 in chapter 1, just so you can get a taste of that. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland uh, to grace your head and a chain to adore your neck. And he goes on from there, and you can read through it on your own uh, this coming week if you want to. And there's kind of 10 different little sections where he's teaching about that uh, and getting into it. But it comes from that loving father's heart of wanting to encourage our kids and for God wanting to encourage us uh, to embrace a life of wisdom. One of the biggest things that uh, gets overlooked sometimes in the book of Proverbs, if you're just coming to it and reading those little snippets of wisdom here and here, here and there, is uh, that there's a personification that, that happens in the book of Proverbs. Anybody know what personification is? I don't know, it's not something we use a whole lot, but it's, it's basically where we represent an abstract value or characteristic in a person. And so throughout uh, the book of Proverbs, this happens in two different ways. We see Lady Wisdom, and we say Lady Folly. And those are throughout, especially uh, chapters 1 through 9. Uh, you see it in different sections there. Uh, if I'm looking right, I think for the most part in chapters 1 through 4, uh, and in chapter 8, you see pictures of Lady Wisdom. Uh, and in chapters 5 through 7, uh, you see pictures of Lady Folly. And then in chapter 9, we'll read it here in a little bit, uh, it kind of contrasts the two in a more succinct way. Uh, and it's this personification of these women uh, who are, are calling out there's two paths in life. And you've got these women, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, who are kind of urging you, beckoning you, calling you to embrace their way and their path. And instead of teaching that to you this morning, I actually found a video uh, that does a really great thing in terms of uh, using this in a dramatic way. Um, and teaching it in a poetic way, and I think it might leave a deeper impression on you by watching that. So we're going to do that here uh, in a moment. It's from uh, an organization called The Spoken Gospel, and uh, they put this together. Now, quick uh, word of warning. Uh, this is the, the wife warning, okay? So typically when I use a, a thing like this, I'll make sure that my wife uh, does review it and make sure she thinks it's good, because sometimes my judgment isn't as good, and I, I trust her insight and input as well, right? Uh, the video has been reviewed and approved by the, the Wife Viewing Association, so we are good there. Uh, she said good with the caveat that the background check track on this, especially in the first half, is a little spooky, a little eerie. And so she just wanted to make sure if we have any young kids, uh, just let them know. It's not, there's not inappropriate content in this, but it's got a little bit of a spooky background track as we get into it. If we want to drop the lights a little bit, you guys sit back and look at the personification of Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly in Proverbs. The book of Proverbs gives us a vision of the paths to life and death represented by the image of two women. One is named Lady Wisdom. She leads all who will listen to her words down the path of life. The other is named Lady Folly. Her lies are calling people off wisdom's path to come and die. And this should remind us of the beginning of the Bible, how in the book of Genesis, God in his wisdom created a garden and put two trees within it. One was the tree of life, which had fruit that would keep you near God and eternally alive. 
The other was the tree of knowledge, which had fruit that was desirable to the eyes and even promised to make you wise, but in the end, its fruit would only cause you to die. The first to face this paradigm were Adam and Eve, who were told to let God's wisdom define what is wrong and what is right, to trust wisdom's voice, to listen to wisdom's words, so that thereby they too would become wise. Through wisdom, they would live with God and eat from the tree of life. But there was another voice in the garden by the tree of knowledge that did not speak wisdom, but spoke lies. It was the voice of the serpent that called the gardeners aside and taught them to question the voice of wisdom, taught them to listen to their own truth, to define their own versions of wrong and right. And this was the voice of sin, the voice of the enemy. This was the voice of Lady Folly. Adam and Eve turned their backs on God, on wisdom, and therefore on life. They turned toward folly, toward sin, which opened up the door for them to die. So they were separated from God, who is the source of life. They were separated from the tree that would keep them alive. The point of Proverbs, then, is to get us back in to the garden, back to life, back to Eden. And Proverbs does this by trying to teach us to listen to the voice of Lady Wisdom. And the primary way Proverbs seeks to tune our ears to Wisdom's voice and open our eyes is with short, simple sayings that play out God's wisdom in everyday life so that we can see in everyday things what God's ways look like. And what they look like is life. What they look like is vitality. What it looks like to be wise is to have joy, favor, and immortality. What it looks like to live with wisdom is to be back in the Garden of Eden. Which is why in Proverbs, Lady Wisdom is not just giving good advice. She is leading those who will listen to the Tree of Life. But alongside the way of life, found beside nearly every wise proverb line, we find the way to death also being described. She is called adulterous, forbidden, wayward, lady folly. Her speech is smoother than oil. Her lips drip with honey. She lures people away with her vain promises of pleasure, ease, and fame. But her path only and always leads to the grave. Just like what happened to Adam and Eve when they turned to the forbidden tree, any time we try to define what is good and right in our own eyes, any time we try to find pleasure in places God wisely denies, any time we try to live contrary to what is wise, we take the forbidden fruit and swallow folly's lies.
Anytime we try to find a way to live apart from God, we only find our own demise. And that is because we are trying to live apart from the tree of life. Which is why we all die. Because doing right is not our default position. We as humans don't naturally listen to the voice of Lady Wisdom. So when we meet her in Proverbs, she is not some quaint, quiet teacher. Instead, she's begging people to listen like some wild street preacher. Proverbs shows us a picture of Lady Wisdom crying loudly along our paths and in public squares, trying to snatch people before they fall into folly's snare. She says, if anyone would turn to listen, she would pour her thoughts into them and they would know wisdom, but no one pays attention to this wise rhetorician. And so instead of pouring out wisdom, the foolish will get disaster and distress. Instead of receiving the tree of life, all who follow folly choose the path of death. But God's wisdom would triumph over folly because wisdom would come in the flesh. Wisdom would move beyond the words and sayings of Proverbs to take on life and breath. Wisdom would be a human. The voice of God would be like us so that we could encounter wisdom in the person of Jesus. Jesus is wisdom in the flesh. He is Proverbs made alive. He walked on actual paths and spoke in actual squares to show us the actual way to life. He walked the path of the wise, which no one else was able to tread. He refused the snares of folly by which everyone had been misled. He earned a way to the tree of life and a way out from the house of the dead. For by trusting in the life Jesus lived and the tree on which he died, we can escape the fruit of death and be fed by the final tree of life. We all approach this path. We all face this choice to follow the ease of Lady Folly or intently listen for wisdom's voice. But the difference now is that Jesus does what Proverbs said Lady Wisdom would do for those who listen to her counsel and for those who would hear it. Jesus comes to fools like us and pours his wisdom into us through his spirit. Wisdom has come near us. What used to be a distant voice has now come inside. For the spirit of wisdom by which Jesus lived, died, and was made alive is the same spirit guiding those who trust Jesus down the path to the tree of life. I know it's a longer video, but it's powerful, and I hope uh, you guys were able to, to track with that just the, the 
picture there. I think it does a great job picturing chapters 1 through 9 of the book of Proverbs and tying it into the bigger picture of Scripture from the creation and, and Adam and Eve and the choices that they were faced with uh, in the garden, knowing that we were created for intimacy with God, to walk with Him throughout our whole lives and, and just experience the blessing of that, but we got lured away and chose something that we thought would be better, and it broke that fellowship with God. And, and since that time, we've been in this, this battle. There's a spiritual battle going on for your heart and for my heart. And there are these two paths that we're constantly having to choose between. Lady Folly, Lady Wisdom, God's ways, the ways of the world, ways that lead to life, ways that lead to death and destruction. But it doesn't seem so simple in the day-to-day life. We easily get deceived and led astray and, and that picture there. But the difference that Jesus makes as the one who's lived all that, he's faced all the temptations that we have and chosen wisdom, chosen life, chosen to die for us so that we can now experience the life God originally intended for us. It's a powerful picture. And so Proverbs is so much more than just a book of collection of wise and pithy sayings. It's God, our loving Father, pleading with us to follow his wisdom, to follow the path of lady wisdom, to make sure uh, that we are, are embracing what he's created for us, the best life, the fulfilling life that he's designed for us. And so uh, I, cre- I put the link, uh, I know that's a lot to take in, even in just one setting, so I put the link in the notes if you want to go back and watch that or share that out uh, with others. Uh, but it, I thought it was a great uh, picture uh, of what we're talking about in terms of lady wisdom and lady folly. Let's just read in, in chapter 9 so you can get a picture of the, the reality that it was very accurate Uh, And I think you'll see that if you read through those chapters this week. Let's read chapter 9, and then we'll move towards some practical um, things with Proverbs as we look to apply it to our lives. Uh, Chapter 9 just kind of gives us that picture of the call of Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, starting in verse 1 in chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars, and she has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table She has sent out her maids, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come here, she says to those who lack judgment. Come and eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker, or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer." That's a picture of the the call of Lady Wisdom. And then we continue on and hear from Lady Folly. The woman Folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point in the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Stolen water is sweet and food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there and her guests are in the depths of the grave. So I think the, the video we just watched did a pretty good job of kind of dramatizing and encapsulating the heart that we see uh, in Proverbs chapters 1 through 9. 
I want to leave you with a few practicalities uh, when it comes to studying that, because we do tend to come to Proverbs for those pithy sayings, but I wanted you to hear the heart and the purpose behind the book. Uh, That might be a a challenge and encouragement to you. I want to give you a few practicalities as we wrap up uh, uh, in terms of how to come in and understand some of those wise and pithy sayings that are in there. Uh, First thing I want to point out is that Proverbs are probabilities, not promises, uh, so these are not guarantees, and, and we'll have some examples come up here on the side screen. I think we have Proverbs 22.6. It's a common one. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. And your parents have quoted that verse and prayed over that verse uh, in their lives, thinking about how we want to make sure that we're leading our kids down the right path and training them up. That's a, that's a good heart. That's the heart of the book of Proverbs. But the reality is it's not a promise. We can train our kids in the right way to go, but they still have freedom of choice, just like we have freedom of choice. God's given us all kinds of training and instruction, and he's calling us and encouraging us and urging us to choose the way of wisdom, but we still have the choice in our lives to choose folly. And so many parents and families are heartbroken, feeling like God's let them down. I raised up my kids, I trained them, and he failed me. Well, this isn't a promise. It's a proverb. And, and so we want to look at what is it we're supposed to do with that. Well, we are supposed to take that responsibility of training up our kids, but they still have to take the responsibility of making the right choices in their own lives. And so proverbs are, are probabilities, not promises. That's important as you look at those and look to apply them to your lives that you understand that. Another way of saying that, that is their likelihoods. They're not laws, they're generalizations, things that are generally true and likely to happen if you follow certain things. But they're not laws and they're not promises. Another example uh, coming up should be Proverbs 10.4. Lazy hands make a poor man, but diligent hands bring wealth, right? Lazy hands make a poor man, but diligent hands bring wealth. Anybody know a lazy man that's wealthy? Yeah? It happens. Anybody know the most hardest working person you've ever met and they still struggle to get by week to week? Yeah, it happens. So again, these are general things. It doesn't mean that's the law. It's always going to be there, but it's a generalization. Generally, if you're lazy and you don't work hard, you're not going to have much to show for it. There are people who have inheritances or won the lottery or have other, uh, by other means, uh, maybe nefarious means, have come into wealth and money. Uh, but the reality is most of us, if we're lazy, that's what we're going to find in our lives. We're not going to have the resources that we need. Opposite side of that doesn't mean that if we're hardworking, we're going to be swimming in a sea of gold either, right? But generally, if we're hardworking, we're going to be provided for. Uh, that, that's the likelihood and the probability that's there. Another thing practically to understand, uh, a lot of these proverbs are contrasting couplets. They contrast wise living with foolish living. And, and so you'll see a, a kind of a two-phrase line. Uh, the next example, I think we have uh, Proverbs eleven thirteen. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a, a secret. And, and so you see this contrast between a, a gossiping person who's going to break trust and someone who's going to keep that trust and keep a secret that someone entrusts to them. And so these contrasting ideas, you see that contrasting couplet. A lot of times these problems are one verse. Sometimes they're a little bit longer. A lot of times they're one verse, just two contrasting ideas that give you an understanding of wise living versus foolish living. And so if we understand that, it'll help us to apply those things to our lives. Ultimately, Proverbs are an opportunity 
to learn from the collective wisdom of God and his people. It's an opportunity to learn and grow. And you'll go back to what we looked at in Proverbs 1, 1 through 7, and, and that's really the purpose of the book, that we would grow beyond our childish naivety and that we continue, even if we think we're wise, we'll continue to learn and grow and add to our learning uh, so that we would continue to pursue God and fear him and live the way that he's planned us to. And so it's an opportunity to learn. But some people are intent to learn from their own mistakes, Right? They don't want to learn from the wisdom and the insight and the mistakes and the successes of other people's. They want to learn from their own mistakes. And the reality is we're all going to make some of our own mistakes. Okay, we're, and we hopefully we will learn from those and add to our wisdom from that. But ultimately, we should embrace the wisdom of generations that have gone before us. I know times change, but a lot of these things thousands of years ago, written down thousands of years ago, they're still true. And that wisdom is still valuable, and so we need to be willing to learn from our parents, from our grandparents, from friends, families, from previous generations, have that heart. Uh, Proverbs and the people that God's put in our lives around us are opportunities to learn from the collective wisdom of God and his people. And I say the most important part when it comes to practicalities is putting them into practice. One of the things that can be easy to do is we'll, we'll read some of these problems and we'll start debating, well, I know this person and that doesn't apply to them. And we, we start trying to pick them apart and analyze them. That's not the purpose. Yes, you could do that with each and every one of them because they're probabilities, they're generalities. They're not meant to be precise and, un, un, and unquestionable laws uh, where, they never, uh, where, where the outcome never is contrary to that. The idea is we're supposed to understand the big principle behind them and put that into practice and so the question when it comes to this is well not what are not all the loopholes and what are all the the people that i've seen that don't fall into this the question we need to ask is what is the principle that i need to apply and so you go back to proverbs 22 and train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he will not depart from it the principle there isn't well it's no there's no point because my kid's just going to do what he wants to do anyhow no the principle is we have a responsibility as God has a heart to train us up in the way that we should go, we should, as parents, have that heart and that we have that responsibility, that charge to train our kids up. And we've got to leave the results up to God and His Spirit's work. But we want to make sure we're leading them in the right way. And so we apply those principles and learn from the positives and negatives uh, that we see throughout there. So those are just some of the practicalities as you read through. Uh, you know, those middle 20 chapters or so uh, and kind of glean those. It really does work out kind of like a reference work. It's not necessarily meant to be something you read through all together, uh, but a lot of people like having, okay, I, I need to learn something about finances and debt. Well, you can turn to Proverbs, and there's all kinds of wisdom in there about finances and debt. I need to learn about friendships or how to speak you know, and, well and uh, how to have good relationships at home. There's all kinds of things. You can use the book of Proverbs as a reference work if you approach it in this way, that it's truths that we can apply to our lives, understanding that God's giving us a picture of wise ways of living and foolish ways of wisdom of living, and he wants us to choose uh, wisdom. So use it as that um, as you continue uh, to grow in your faith. And so the big thing I want to just leave you with when it comes to that big idea is that wisdom is about what you do with what you know. It's applied knowledge. And so you might be familiar, you might be able to quote all of the Proverbs, but if you're not putting them into practice, it doesn't matter. You're not wise. 
And so the biggest picture I think we see of that in Scripture is really ironic. It's really the author of the book of Proverbs, Solomon. And you may be familiar with the, the story to some degree. You see most of his story in First Kings I think it's in 1 Kings 3, he has this dream, and God says, ask for whatever you want, you know, and I'll give it to you. And he asks for wealth? No. Power? No. He asks for wisdom. And God blesses him with great wisdom and insight. And that was a wise thing to ask for, right? To know uh, as a young king, I need wisdom. Uh, That's a valuable thing. And so God gives him all this wisdom. He's written it down and um, and in many places in scripture and certainly lots of good things in his life and you read through his story and you see wealth and you see all this success and it looks like well here's a guy who asked for wisdom and he's living in God's way and God's blessing him right well it works sounds great well the reality is uh, he when you, you track through his whole story it's not all that cut and dry and all that simple Solomon uh, was someone who was wise enough to ask for wisdom but he didn't always live that out He didn't always practice that. He knew a lot of stuff, but his heart got led astray. Uh, He was involved in things like slave labor. He had hundreds of wives that were people who did not love the Lord and who ultimately drained and drugged his heart away from the Lord. And it became just a bleak picture. So this guy who had all the wisdom in the world and had the wisdom in his young ages to ask for that didn't live it out. It's still a choice we have to make each and every day. It's not about what we know or what we knew or what we did in the past. It's about what we do today and tomorrow and the next day to live out the wisdom that God's imparted to us. We've got to do things with it. Um, And and that's the important part uh, that I want to leave you with today. And so ultimately, we all do have two paths. And unfortunately, it's not always quite that blatant, this big yellow sign, all right, you're at a fork, you know, you got you to choose, right or left. We get so just easily, slowly deceived, and before we know it, we're off on the wrong path. But we've got to approach each day understanding that those paths are before us, that those choices are before us. The, and picture, if it helps you, a picture, you got Lady Wisdom. I know we always think of like the angel and the demon or whatever on our shoulders, right? But think of Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly there throughout your life, calling out to you, urging you to do things God's way that leads to life and the beauty of the sunrise versus the darkness and the gloom uh, on the other side. Solomon didn't do well uh, throughout his life living that out. Ultimately, it comes back to that fear of the Lord. His heart got drawn away from the Lord by his choices over time. And he didn't truly revere and respect God and God's place in the world and his place in the world. He, he grew more and more powerful, more and more wealthy, and that went to his head and that got, basically became his demise over time because he lost his fear of the Lord and his heart wandered from the Lord. And so that's what we've got to watch out. That's where it starts. That's why Proverbs says that's the foundation for wisdom is we've got to start there. It's not just about wise saying. It's about understanding where wisdom comes from and what that purpose is. So let's continue to fear him. My hope and my heart uh, is that you will choose the path of wisdom each and every day. The good news is that we have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus and his example and his teachings. Uh, And I'm reminded as I read through the book of Proverbs of what he said uh, in Matthew 7. He who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
And the waves and the winds came, and that house stood because it was built on the rock. But the foolish man didn't put those words into practice, right? And the waves and all the troubles of the world came, and that house got flattened because it wasn't on foundation. It's the same picture that we see in Proverbs. If we under, embrace the wisdom of God and we put that into practice, we've got a firm foundation for life in this world and for eternity with God. And that's what we're invited to, urged to, through the book of, of Proverbs. And I encourage you guys uh, to do that. So which path are you following? Which path are you following in your life right now? And I don't say that to bring guilt. The reality is all of us at times have found ourselves off on the wrong path, wandering away. And God's grace and his mercies are new every day, and our choices get to be new each and every day. And so if you find yourself, and, and right now you're off on that path, you're not stuck there. God is going to offer you grace, not guilt. He doesn't want to make you feel trapped there. He offers you a new life. And we can easily get back on the other path and start pursuing him and walking with him. And that's my encouragement. And that's his urging to us through Lady Wisdom uh, to come back to him in the midst of that. The other question that maybe ask yourself here is, which lady do you represent to your friends and your family? Are you urging them as Lady Wisdom would to pursue God and put him first and to, to pursue his ways? Or are you drawing them away and influencing them to live according to the ways and the wisdom of the world. Because our collective wisdom, we need each other. And we need to make sure we're urging and encouraging each other towards God and towards his ways. And so as you think about Lady Wisdom and Lady, Lady Folly, perhaps that's another way that God would challenge you to think about how you can apply some of these things to your lives. God's designed us to live with him and to experience the fulfillment of life as we follow his ways. We think we can find it through our own ways. We like shortcuts. We like fast food. We like the immediacy of enjoyment now. But so often we pursue that, and it leads to ultimately destruction now. And it's going to lead us away from God in our, our relationship with him here and maybe for eternity. We need to understand that our loving creator has created us for a fulfilling life. He's put some, some laws and some proverbs out there for us to give us all the wisdom and insight that we need to know to be able to live faithfully with him. And he's given us the spirit and he's given us his son so that we can live those things out and have that new life. And that's what he urges us and invites us to do. Let's pray. I'll invite the worship team to come. I'm so excited for the, the song that they sang. Uh, there's that refrain in there. So much better your ways, right? So much better your ways. That's God's urging to us through Proverbs today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for your long-suffering patience for us, for your uh, love for us to send your Son to rescue us out of our own sin and stubbornness and rebellion uh, and to point us back towards your ways and the new life that you have for us, the better life, the fulfilling life. Thank you for the book of Proverbs. And uh, Lord, we realize that even though Solomon was uh, flawed, uh, we recognize in our own humility that we're all flawed too. Lord, help us to be on guard against uh, our own dark sides, uh, against our own self-deception that would uh, lead us down a path that would take us away from you. And help us to be looking for your path, the path of wisdom that you've laid out for us. I thank you for your word. I pray that you encourage us and challenge us as we live for you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.